I love Easter. I, I literally, I love Easter. I love Easter because there is really no other day like Easter. We have gathered here this morning to recognize and to celebrate that Jesus is risen from the dead. That means Jesus is no longer buried in a grave, that right now, today, he is actually alive. He is alive. Did you hear what I said? This, this is like the Super Bowl of all Sundays. Even better than the Super Bowl itself because there is no other one like Jesus. No one like him. That is why we gather here. That is why we recognize and celebrate the greatest day in all of history. Amen. Now, I'd like you to think about this with me for a minute. The Bible, the Bible has two parts. It has an Old Testament and it has a New Testament. The Old Testament spends a lot of time pointing people toward Jesus. When we get to the New Testament, we see that there are 27 books in the New Testament. There are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and each one of those Gospels tell Jesus' life story, and they include the story of his resurrection from the dead. They proclaim that he is a risen, living person. There are 21 letters in the New Testament, and each of those letters explain to us the meaning of our lives in Jesus Christ. There is one book of history of the early church, and there is one book of prophecy. All 27 of those books, all 27 of those books deal with Jesus as a risen, living Savior who transforms and changes lives. I love Easter. I love Easter because Jesus is alive and he is doing great things. He is transforming lives. He is bringing people out of blindness into sight. He is bringing people from death to life. He is bringing people from sickness to health. He is transforming lives. You heard it in four testimonies this morning. People whose lives were radically changed because they believe in the living, risen Savior, Jesus. Last year, last Easter was very special for my family because one of my children got up and testified, my son got up and testified that the living Jesus made a radical difference in his life. He was changed. After that Sunday last year, it was a few days after, and I was talking to a good friend of mine, and we were talking about Easter, and we were talking about the fact that Jesus changes lives. And we were talking about my son's baptism, and he said, I gotta share something with you. He said, I was having a conversation with a good friend of mine. And we were talking about Easter. And he said, my good friend said something really interesting to me. He said, yeah, something to this effect. Yeah, I know about Sunday. But what happened on Monday? Now, that's a really good question. His good friend recognized that there was a resurrection on Sunday, but his question was, so what about Monday? So what happened after the resurrection? We spend a whole lot of time talking about Sunday. We spend a lot of time talking about what happened on Sunday, which is good and is right. But maybe we don't spend enough time talking about what happened on Monday. That question struck me. It struck me to the degree that after we talked, I wrote it down. I wrote down next to my phone. I went, so what happened on Monday? And I got thinking to myself, 
If I ever have the opportunity to preach on a Sunday morning, I have my title and I have my topic. Here we are. So what happened on Monday? In essence, what happened after the resurrection? Now, I think there are at least two ways we could look at that question. We could look at that question and we could examine the evidence for the resurrection. We could examine what happens after the resurrection as evidence for the reality of the resurrection. That's one way to look at it. I myself, I've looked at the evidence and I think that there is evidence that proves beyond a reasonable doubt that Jesus was raised from the dead, but that's not the way we're going to address the question this morning. I'm going to address the question in a bit of a different way this morning. So what happened on Monday? You know what I heard when I heard that question? I heard, so yeah, maybe there's a resurrection. So what? What does it matter? Maybe 2,000 years ago, Jesus rose from the dead, but what does it matter today? What does it matter for me? What does it matter for you? What does it matter for us? So what? Does it actually affect my life? Does it actually impact the aspects of my life today? So what happened on Monday? And what does it really matter to you and to me? Now, before we look at what happened on Monday, I want to look briefly at what happened on Sunday. So if you would, would you take your Bibles and would you turn to John chapter 20? Now, if you didn't bring a Bible with you today, that's okay. In front of you, in the seat rack in front of you, there is a Bible. Grab it. Turn to page 880. 880. And there you will see John chapter 20. Now, leading up to Sunday, some pretty crazy stuff happens in Jesus' life in the last few days of his life. Jesus was unjustly arrested. He was then interrogated by the high priest. He then was taken before the Roman governor Pilate. He was then beaten and tortured. He was sentenced to be crucified. Then there were more beatings. And then wearing a crown of thorns, he was forced to carry his cross to his execution site. At that site, he was crucified. It means he was hung on a cross to die. He died on that cross and he was taken down and then he was buried in a tomb. Now look at John 20, verse one. Early on the first day of the week. What day is that? Oh, people be with me. Early on the first day of the week. What day is that? Sunday. Sunday, early on the first day of the week while it was still dark. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. At this point, Mary Magdalene just thought that the body of Jesus had been taken. Maybe it had been stolen. She did not have the concept of resurrection on her mind. That would come later. Mary then tells Peter and the other disciple, who is likely the Apostle John, who wrote this book, about the reality of an empty tomb. So Peter and John run to the tomb. John throws a little shade here, and he says he outran Peter. John gets there first. He looks in the tomb. He saw strips of linen 
That's the burial cloth. Peter arrived and did what only Peter would likely do. He runs right into the tomb. He also sees linen cloth as well. Now, importantly, neither of them saw the body of Jesus. But look at verse eight. Finally, the other disciple, this is John referring to himself again, who had reached the tomb first, he just can't let that go, (laughs) also went inside. Now look at the next sentence. Underline the next sentence. You can even underline it in the church Bible if you want. I don't care. He saw and believed. He saw and believed. The story then turns back to Mary Magdalene. She's crying outside the tomb. Two angels appeared to her and asked her why she was crying. She told him that Jesus' body was taken away. Then after she answered those angels, she turned around and she saw Jesus. She had a conversation with Jesus in which Jesus told her to go tell the disciples that he's alive. Look at verse 18. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. Jesus' appearance to Mary Magdalene is one of 10 appearances that he makes between his resurrection and his ascension to heaven. There are 10 post-resurrection experiences of various lengths that Jesus makes to his disciples and to other people between his resurrection and his ascension. So what? So what does it matter to me? What does it matter to you? What does it matter to us? That's the question. So what happened on Monday? Does it have any relevance for us today? Well, Jesus gives us the answer to that question in the next post-resurrection appearance as it is recorded in the book of John. Look at verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. It had been a long day. Mary Magdalene had gone to the tomb before daybreak, and now it's evening. And despite having heard the testimony of Jesus' appearance to Mary and to others, despite the testimony, the witness of angels, the disciples here are gathered in fearful uncertainty. They were afraid and they're concerned. They're hiding behind locked doors. Can you imagine how they must have felt? We're told here that they were afraid. Can you imagine the internal and the external conflict that they were experiencing? Wondering if they were going to be arrested and killed? what was going to happen to them, clearly having no plan for what was next. 
They just sat there powerless, seemingly waiting for the next shoe to drop. Probably even feeling a bit lonely, even though they're among friends. What now? What next? It had to be miserable in that room. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt the way the disciples were feeling that evening? I think there are three main struggles that we as humans face. Three main struggles. Conflict, aimlessness, and powerlessness. Conflict, aimlessness, and powerlessness. The disciples clearly were experiencing conflict. Aimlessness as well. They had no place, no plan, no idea what was next. And they're sitting in the room powerless. They do not have control of their futures. You may be here this morning listening and you're experiencing conflict. Maybe your conflict is in internal. Anxiety, fear, worry. Maybe it's loneliness. Maybe your conflict is external. Things aren't going the way you want them to go. Maybe it's bro broken relationships. And the conflict, it's there. And you feel it. And it just keeps coming. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're feeling aimless. You don't know what's next. You don't have a plan. You're incredibly uncertain about your future. What's it going to be like? And you're just, you're just feeling aimless. Or maybe you're listening and you feel powerless. You feel weak. You wouldn't tell anybody, but you think to yourself, I don't have it. I don't have the strength necessary. I don't have the strength to, to do what I'm supposed to do. I don't have the strength to accomplish what I think I should accomplish. And you just, you feel weak. It's into this context that the risen, living Jesus appears to his disciples. And he appears to them with encouragement and truth in order for them to experience what's next after the resurrection. And he did not only appear to them, he is here today, he is right here in this room into our context to speak truth upon you and upon me. You see, Jesus appears to those disciples and he is appearing right here in this room to you and to me to offer to us peace, purpose, and power. It is what he gave to the disciples 2,000 years ago and is what he promised to all who believe in him today. Peace, purpose, and power. That's three Ps, so it's really easy to remember. 
many, many lives, many, many lives are ruined by conflict, aimlessness, and powerlessness. Jesus did not come into this world to live, to die, and to rise again to ruin your life. Did you hear what I said? Jesus did not come into this world to live, to die, and to rise again to ruin your life. He came into this world to give you life. You may be experiencing conflict, aimlessness, and purposelessness. He came to give you peace, purpose, and power. That is life. That is what he has come to give and he is able to give it because he is risen and he is alive and he is not buried in a grave. Now we're gonna look more closely. Please follow because you gotta decide this morning, do you want peace, purpose, and power? If you don't, you can close your eyes. You may fall asleep. It's okay. But it's what Jesus is offering. It's what he provides. So what happened on Monday? Peace, purpose, and power. First, Jesus offers peace. Notice the second half of verse 19. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Again, look at verse 21. Peace be with you. This is much more than a perfunctory greeting. These men were hiding behind locked doors because they feared that the Jewish leaders were going to crucify them just like they crucified Jesus. They had to be wondering if they were next. And suddenly, with no knock on the door and no one opening the door, Jesus, the risen, living Jesus, appears before them. And the first thing out of his mouth to them is, peace be with you. The word that's used here, this word peace, is best described by the Hebrew word shalom. It means the giving of a profound well-being. This is not like a formal handshake. It's like a warm hug. It's like a warm embrace. Jesus is coming to them and he's saying, peace be with you. I am offering to you, I am going to provide you with a profound well-being. Not some distant time in the future, not at some day off in the future, but right now I am offering you profound well-being. Now first, I want to break this piece down a little bit. This first means, listen closely, peace with God. Peace with God. Jesus comes and he offers this shalom, this profound well-being as peace with God. Now for me, an illustration's helpful to understand this, so I'd like to share this illustration with you. Hopefully it will help you understand the concept of peace with God. If you'll notice the first frame, the first frame recognizes our separation or our alienation from God. The red line represents our sin. It represents the fact that we're broken and we make bad choices and we're unable to live up to God's standard on our own. And that includes every one of us in this room, including me. We're broken, and we sin, and we cannot live up to God's standard. And that sin is that red line that separates us from God. It alienates us from God, so we can't have peace with God. But then the risen living Savior enters the picture, 
And when we choose to believe, he enters the picture, that's the second frame, and he does what only he can do because he went to the cross, he died, he shed his blood, he was buried, and the power that raised him from the dead is the power that then reconciles you and me to God, which is represented in the third frame. And now we have peace with God. You following me? This is foundational to Christianity. It is foundational not only to Christianity, it is foundational to life. If you are not reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, you have no peace. But the choice is there. To choose to believe in Jesus to ask him for forgiveness so that he will reconcile you to God the Father so you can have peace with God. The second type of peace that Jesus offers is the peace of God. The peace of God. The Bible tells us that Jesus is our peace. That when we experience a relationship with Jesus, it means Jesus becomes personal to us. He becomes present with us all the time. And his presence causes a peace within us, a shalom, a profound well-being. Regardless of trial and trouble and difficulty, the peace of God comes through Jesus and it passes all human understanding. Now, I'm not promising you that you're not going to have trials, that you're not going to have difficulties, and I can't even promise that the peace is going to be overwhelming this instant, but what this promises is the access to a risen living Jesus who provides that peace in your life and in my life when we believe. The last thing, the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended to heaven, he promised them, he said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And that is the promise he makes to all believers in Christ. He will never leave you, he will never forsake you, and as a result, you have the peace of God. If you are here this morning and you are experiencing conflict, whether it is internal conflict or external conflict, if you feel conflicted in life, the resurrection means that you have access to a risen, living Jesus who provides peace with God and the peace of God. So, what happened on Monday? So, what? Jesus' resurrection means that we can have peace with God and the peace of God. Well, not only does Jesus provide peace, secondly, Jesus came to give you purpose. Now, if he was still dead, if he was long decayed, he would not be able to give anything. But because he is risen and because he is alive, he has a purpose for you. Look at verse 21. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. God sent Jesus into the world to do the Father's will. Jesus is now giving us purpose. He is calling us to do the will of God for the glory of God and for the good of others. This is to be the central purpose of our existence. 
to do the will of God for the glory of God and for the good of others. Many people walk through life without any direction, no purpose. You may be here this morning and you're wondering why you are here. You wonder why you exist. You may be even wondering why you're in this room right now. It's because Jesus has a purpose for you. The risen, living Jesus has a purpose for your life. Your life matters. Your life has value. Your life has meaning. And the Lord Jesus wants to use you to accomplish his purpose. And he makes it your purpose to do the will of God for the glory of God and for the good of others. Now, there are some of you that are very distracted from the purpose that God has given you. You're distracted by the things of this world. You're distracted by selfish desires. You're distracted by the pursuit of money, fame, the pursuit of power. You're distracted by the pursuit of comfort and the pursuit of fun. And I can tell you, the pursuit of those things will leave you longing. You will never feel satisfied. Jesus here is offering you purpose. He is calling you, listen to me please, he is calling you to be an agent of grace. He is calling you to step into the lives of men and women and children who are broken, who are hurting, who are marginalized. He's calling you to step into their lives and demonstrate the grace of Jesus Christ to give a message of peace and reconciliation and life. You and I, we have the opportunity to be agents of grace in this world, in a world that's so desperate desperately needs grace. We have the opportunity to be an agent of grace where we speak truth, where we encounter and engage a culture that is in great need of truth and we can speak that truth into the culture and we can offer peace and reconciliation and life. Jesus provides peace. He provides purpose to do the will of God, for the glory of God, and for the good of others. Now at this point, you may be thinking to yourself, okay, I, I like that peace idea. I'm all for the peace thing. The purpose thing, yeah, that sounds pretty good, but man, it's a bit overwhelming. Not sure I can jump on that because I'm a little bit, a little bit unsure of my abilities. And that's where the third thing comes in. Not only does God, through Jesus Christ, offer us peace and purpose, he offers power. Look at verse 22. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus offers us his power through the Holy Spirit. Now look, something very special happened here. It says, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, later in the story, after Jesus ascended to heaven, the Holy Spirit descended at Pentecost. That's the day the Holy Spirit came upon all of those who believe in Jesus. But something special happens here to these men. It's kind of a temporary imparting of the Spirit for these men until Pentecost. 
But because of Pentecost, the spirits of power is available to you and to me right now when we declare our belief in Jesus Christ. He gives us the power to do things that we would not be able to do as mere humans. He gives us the power to defeat our own selfishness. He gives us the power to pursue his purpose for our lives, to do the will of God for the glory of God and for the good of others. He gives us the power to accomplish that. He gives the power. He provides the power to overcome addictions. I know there are some of you in this room who have struggled with numbers, various addictions, I know some of you have struggled with addictions and you have turned it over to the Lord and through the power of Jesus Christ, he has helped you overcome those addictions. I also know that there are some of you in this room right now who are addicted to something. And what God is promising through Jesus Christ right here, right now, is the power to overcome that addiction and to live your life for Jesus Christ. That is the power that he is talking about. He is giving the power here to actually love our enemies. Do you realize Jesus' command is to love our enemies? I'll try that again. Do you realize that Jesus' command is to love our enemies? Is it hard for you to love your enemy? It is very hard for me to love my enemy. I just want to fight with my enemies. But Jesus instructs us to love our enemy. How are you going to love your enemy? You're going to love your enemy because God, is through Jesus Christ, is going to give you the power to love your enemy. That's the power that we are talking about here. Do you feel powerless this morning? Do you feel weak? And I will tell you, it is the best thing if right now you can admit that you are powerless and you are weak. You see, the danger is, is that we think we have the power. The danger is that we think we can do things on our own. That's a danger. There is a beauty in being able to admit your weakness, to recognize that you don't have the power to accomplish things because God makes a promise to those who admit their weakness. And you know what the promise is? When you declare your weakness, God says that through Jesus Christ, he's gonna show up and he's gonna give you Jesus Christ's power. Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong because of Jesus Christ, so his name will be lifted up. So be free to admit that you are weak, recognizing that you need Jesus' power in your life. You see, Jesus has come and he has offered peace and purpose, and power. So what happened after the resurrection? After the resurrection, Jesus appeared 10 times between the resurrection and his ascension to heaven. And in each of those appearances, in one way or another, he declared and he provided the peace of God, peace with God, purpose, and power. So what happened on Monday? What happened on Monday? So what happened on Monday? I got you. What happened on Monday? Jesus delivered. Jesus delivered on his promise. Early in his ministry, he said, I have come so that you may have life and you may have life to the full. Again, he didn't come to ruin your life. He came to give you life. He came to give you peace and purpose and power. And he delivered on his promise. 
It's exactly what he did to the disciples for the disciples 2,000 years ago. It is exactly what he does for believers in Jesus Christ today. He has promised to give you life and he has delivered by giving you peace, purpose, and power. Today is Sunday. Tomorrow is Monday. That's pretty insightful of me if you admit it. <laughs> I'm gonna flip the question on you. So what does Monday mean for you? So what's next for you? Some of you have declared Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And some of you are living fully into that. And you are experiencing the peace and the purpose and the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. There's some of you that are distracted. You declared that you believe in Jesus, but you've been distracted. You're focusing on other stuff. You're focusing on your own selfish desires the pursuit of power or wealth or fame or comfort or fun. If that's you, you need to double down on Jesus because the conflict and the aimlessness and the powerlessness that you are experiencing right now is because you are distracted and you are not focusing on Jesus because Jesus is peace, he is purpose, and he is power. And then there's a final group that's here. And you may not even know why you're here this morning. Your neighbor may have invited you, a family member may have invited you. It's Easter! I'm gonna go to church! Which is great. But Jesus is here this morning. And he's offering you a gift. The gift is peace, purpose, and power. But it's a gift. It's a gift you have to receive. Or you walk away from it. But it's actually a greater reality than that. The reality this morning is that the living, risen Jesus is offering himself to you as a gift because he is purpose and peace and power. And you have the opportunity this morning to receive the gift or walk away from Jesus. Jesus wants you to receive the gift this morning. He loves you that much. He has you here this morning because he wants you to experience life and life to the full with peace, with purpose, and with power.
don't walk away from him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have been so, so good to us. Time after time, you have demonstrated your love for us. And your word tells us that while we were yet sinners, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, help us to not take that lightly. And Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us live in the power of the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we acknowledge right now and right here that he is living and alive. And now, Lord, we worship you by lifting up his name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.